Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Hi, good morning. I'm Pastor David Schmaltz of Valley Community Church, and I'd like to thank you for joining me this morning. I've been in a series called Better Call Paul, and today is part four in this series. If you've missed any of the parts to this series, you're welcome to go to our website, valleychurch.us, where you can uh, click on our messages and hear the other portions and, of course, other sermon series and individual sermons. You can also check us out in our Valley Church app. You can go to the uh, Apple Store or the uh, Android uh, app store, and you can uh, find our, our church app there where we have many more things for you to check out regarding uh, your Christian walk, Bible reading, and of course, access to any of our sermons and teachings. Today, again, we're in part four, and I'm titling this Overcome Evil with Good. So up to this point, Paul has established what we've been talking about is Paul helping us respond to our times. And what we have been reading through the book of Romans, and of course, last week we talked about the book of Galatians, kind of a companion letter. And Paul was very upset about uh, the churches there beginning to pull away from faith in the sacrifice of Christ and how they were biting into a false gospel. And this false gospel being that they were going back to the idea that they could earn their salvation from God, they could earn God's favor through going back to the law and observing the law. And so Paul has established that good works are the fruit of a person's life, a believer's life. That good works are the fruit of a growing and maturing life submitted to Christ. So I'm not going to re-preach that or talk about that or teach that. You can go back and check out what Paul had to say regarding earning our salvation. But today we're going to move on because our motivation to serve God is no longer based on fear. This is what Paul is saying. And John reminds us that perfect love casts out fear there in 1 John 4.18, and that we can be encouraged by the fact that God loves us, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that he is going to continue in this relationship with us in love that of course he's going to deal with our sin, of course he's going to lead us forward into truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So once we come to an understanding of what has been done for us through the free gift of salvation, we are free to discover the wonderful opportunities to serve God that he's created for us. And so we know that. We talked about that last week, how God has created good works for us to do. They're pre-planned. And so if you kind of think of that, that, that man, I'm free to worship the Lord, I'm, I'm free to follow him and to serve him, and then before us, there is this, uh, this whole uh, life, this whole experience of victory and joy and celebration and wonderful opportunities and experiences that God has waiting for us out there that we have yet to even discover, that God hasn't prepared for us. And so... I, I want to just kind of have you think just for a moment about the motivation, that if our motivation is fear, then we're no different than the ancient idolaters who were fearful that their crops wouldn't, uh, you know, come in, and, and so they had to sacrifice their firstborn, or they had to sacrifice to uh, this entity in order to uh, 
try to secure a good life. It was all based on fear, which all idolatry is. And that is not God. God has not called us to a relationship of fear any longer, but of love. And so our motivation is not fear. Our motivation is, I want to experience more of the love of God by showing my love for God. And how do I show my love for God? Is by serving him, by doing things for him, by doing what he's asked me to do. My children, when they want to show me love, they, of course, are going to give me a hug or they're going to want to sit down and talk to me. But more often than not, they show me incredible love and they know they're doing the same. When I say, hey, would you do this or would you do that while I'm gone today? And if the love relationship is established, then there's more than enough joy to say, sure, I'd love to do that for you. We're always motivated to serve one another when the motivation deep in our heart is not selfish, but it is to love the other one. And that's exactly what motivates us to serve God. So today we're going to look at Paul in his epistle, again, to the book of Romans, uh, to, the, to the Romans, in his wonderful book of Romans. We've spoken about that and taken some scripture, especially Romans chapter 1. But in Romans chapter 12, we come to a real conclusion for Paul. He has laid the foundation for this grace that they are to enjoy. And again, the grace of God, God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. It's God, his mighty power working within us by the Holy Spirit to continue to point us into the direction of becoming like Christ. So Paul is saying, what is our response to all of this that I have taught, all of this that we know? So let's look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The King James says, this is your spiritual worship. This is how we respond to what the Father has done in sending his Son. This is how we respond to Jesus' obedience to the Father and his coming to the earth as a baby, growing up among us, ministering, healing the sick, casting out demons, and then surrendering his body as a living sacrifice himself, and then dying for our sins, rising from the dead, and then ascending to the Father and sitting at the right hand of the Father now, ready to come again. Believing in this and knowing this, our proper response to all this is to just say, here I am, Lord. I am a living sacrifice to you. I don't have to, I don't have to physically die, but I can die to myself, die to my own ways, die to my selfishness, and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to discover these wonderful things that you've prepared for me to do, to enjoy. He goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is Paul's response. And, he, and so our response to what we've read here is to understand that the mercy that we have enjoyed is our response to this mercy should not be going back to our old lives. It should not be going back to a life of sin and disobedience, a life of confusion and chaos, but to offer our bodies as a living daily sacrifice. This is our New Testament worship, to give it all, okay? Before, it was to just give according to the kind of sin that might have happened, the yearly uh, day of atonement, the, the weekly or monthly time of sacrifice of a, of a bull, a goat, a ram, 
uh, a sheep uh, or a pigeon, you know, according to one sin. There was, there was repentance. There was some uh, type of response to every kind of sin. Now that is all covered under the blood of Jesus, and we can move forward in wanting to please God with our life. And our response is just that. So in order to grow in a daily relationship, God, we must allow our minds to be transformed by truth. Our natural minds are contrary to God's will. Paul taught us that in Romans chapter 7. We must be trained and discipled and renewed to think like God thinks. So we have this contrary. We're born with this. We have a lot of lies inside us. We have a lot of half-truths. And the world is not helping us out at all. It reinforces the, these lies. When you have people of influence and you have a voice, a major voice, whether it be in the media or the entertainment industry or in politics, when they have a voice of, of, of authority and yet they're speaking half-truths and lies, it's very, very difficult for us as human beings not to believe them when we are impressed by the outward appearance or by the, the, the speech that is presented. But God says that God's words are true and every man's lie, words are, are lie. And so what we have to do is offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And then Paul is saying, look, then offer your mind to be able to start reading the word of God, allow it to be transformed by truth. The word is truth. Psalm 119, the largest uh, psalm in the Bible, one of the largest chapters in the Bible, dead center in the middle of the Bible, is all about the importance of the Word of God. And it is, my friend. If you're not reading the Word of God, then your mind is not being transformed. You are likely being led along by this world that is literally hell-bent from the cradle to the grave trying to deceive mankind and to believe those lies. And so they have to be combated. So our minds have to be transformed. It's a wonderful word when you think of it because it's not just indoctrination. It's not just filling your mind with these truths or belief system. It is literally the word of God heals our mind. It transforms and allows us to be able to think like God thinks, which then exudes hope and peace and joy and favor. God promised that to the children of Israel, that if they would just follow his words and be, and be very careful to obey every single one, that they would be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed as they come and blessed as they go. There is a promise of blessing. There is a promise of favor. And, and let me just say, what is that? You know, because, you know, we talk about Christianese or, or Bible language that sometimes doesn't translate. So let me just break it down for you. What does a blessing mean? It means simply that things will go well for you. My friend, think of your life right now. Is it blessed? Are you, uh, are, are, are you enjoying success? Is your mind full of peace or is it full of chaos? Do you have a litany of struggles that are all pouring in on your life? Are there places where you feel like you're completely out of control? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel that you're in bondage to some addictive behavior? Do you feel that the relationships that you enjoyed are now in chaos and full of estrangement? If that is the case, my friend, then you're not experiencing blessing. As a matter of fact, many times Christians, they ignore the success of their life. They ignore that they can enjoy a good life and focus only on heaven. But that's, not, that's only part of the promise. God wants us to enjoy favor here. 
And even in the midst of chaos, we can still be at peace. That even in the midst of struggle or lack, we can be content. This is God's favor. This is God's blessing. But I, I know that God wants even more. We're living in a nation that is incredibly blessed. Every individual, every person who calls out to God should be walking in an incredible amount of blessing. And we should really thank God for that, no doubt. So I wanted to, to look at also what Paul is really talking about in order to experience this, this wonderful transforming mind. Is Often I'll talk to Christians and I'll say, do you know how to get there? Do you know how to have a devotional sacrifice life to God. Most people don't really know. So let me just walk through it with you. How, how maybe a Christian might be able to do this on a daily basis. Well, this is what I do. I get up in the morning and I seek the Lord. I, the first thing I say is, God, I belong to you. This is the day that you've made and I'm glad I've got another day. I woke up today to enjoy your favor in this life. And then what I do is I pull out my Bible, whether it be on an iPad or my iPhone or a physical Bible. I've got certain readings that I'm doing. I'm reading through the Bible. I've got different plans that I, that I do. And I'll sit down and I'll read. And I'll read this, the Word of God and let it. Now, at times, I'll just think and meditate on what it is saying. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to show me how does this apply to me. I'm taking that next step. I'm allowing myself to be transformed by the Word of God, allowing my mind and my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions to be transformed by the will of God, the Word of God. And then that next step is then to go out and live it. The next step is to get up and go on and go to the, go to the, to the, to the job. And, and uh, while I'm driving out there and interacting with people, I begin to ask the Holy Spirit, show me how I can walk in these truths. Oh, and the Holy Spirit's so ready to do it. That is his job. That is why he is sent, is to remind us of the word of God and to help us apply it. And so when we do something that is not good, or we're maybe on a path that is not a good path, the Holy Spirit is there to speak to us and, and to provide what is called conviction. Okay, this is not condemnation, but this is conviction. And conviction is what causes us to say, you know what, I don't feel peace about this. And what we're doing is we're creating a familiarity, okay? We know that God's, God has a will for our life, but are we familiar with God's will to the point where when we know that we're off or out of his will or off his path, I want you to imagine a pathway like going through the woods, that that is the way of God for you. And you're walking in it and it becomes very well worn as every day you walk on that path. It becomes familiar. It becomes almost, um, you know, complete memory. In, in, in your soul, so that when you begin to wander off of it, you, you become like, I'm not, at, I'm not at peace about this. I don't think this is a good decision. And the Holy Spirit, all he has to do, like the rider of a well-trained horse, he just has to lay that bridle, that, that, that rein on it, the, the horse's neck, and the, the horse instinctively knows to move in that direction, or the, the tap of a knee, that, that that horse has been so well-trained that it, it knows the master's will knows the master's intention. And that's the way we need to become to our heavenly father is, is to know what it is, his heart and will for us. And he will do that. He will give us unction. He will give us a sensitivity. He will provide a peace. And the way I, I try to communicate this to people is when you, when, when you begin to experience a lack of peace, you need to then ask God, am I where I'm supposed to be? And that's exactly where Paul goes to in this section. Of, of, he says, you know, at the very end there in that section, he says, when you renewed your mind and you understand the mind of God, 
Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's, isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. That's not just an incantation, my friend. That is a prayer of practicality. That is a prayer that is literal in the sense that I'm asking God to come and speak to me and let his will be done in my life. Does God have a will for my life? Absolutely. Does, has he prepared good works for me to walk in? Absolutely. I need to discover those. And I'll never discover them if I just keep walking in my own ways and allowing my own selfishness to control my pathway. But as I submit and to surrender to the one who loves me and one has the, the one who has the best plans for my life, then, wow, can we experience some incredible things. So, and in, in, in Paul describes it as a good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is not three different levels of, of his will. No, it's the same will of God just described. It's, it's good for me. It's pleasing to God, and it's perfect for everyone I live with. That's the way I like to look at it. It's good for me, it's pleasing to God, and it's perfect as I live this life and those I interact with. And that's God's heart. So it's the goal. Finding God's will for my life. And so now I want to bring this back because, see, what we've been talking about is this culture. We've been talking about how should we then live in the midst of this undulating period of time in our history. And where we don't know that, as I have said before, that evil is being called good and good is, called, is being called evil. And the, uh, you know, the, the idea of what is right and wrong is, just be, is, is in flux. And yet we have the anchor of the word of God that will bring us right back. And of course, that, that's why the word of God is being attacked. That is why there is a demonic, uh, and I mean it, I, I absolutely am not speaking, uh, you know, just rhetorically or, or in hyperbole, that the enemy himself is targeting the word of God in our nation. It is what helped us. It is what has brought us uh, favor and blessing in our nation. And yet we are again, hell-bent in trying to extract God from every aspect of life, extract what we would call the Judeo-Christian ethic or morality from all levels of society. And my friend, if we do that, we are doomed. And every civilization that has pushed God out has experienced a major amount of darkness. If you studied any amount of history, you know that's true. To strip uh, a culture of its basic understandings of humanity and freedoms and those things that we, we know we have received from God, then, of course, there will be darkness that floods in the wake uh, or in the vacuum that is created. So, so Paul is saying how we should respond. I'm going to jump to the end of this section so that I can help you get context here. Paul, at the very end, in talking about us finding the will of God, what is, is, for what end? To what purpose? And that is to overcome evil with good. So how do we respond? So let me give you the end of this sermon here today, and then we'll, we'll fill it back in. But the, the, the end point, my point here today is, how do we respond to this darkness? We respond by continuing to do good. We respond by finding the will of God for our lives and staying on that, not worrying. We don't want to fight fire with fire. In other words, we don't want to use violence to combat violence. We don't want to use hate to attack hate. We don't want to use, uh, you know, uh, scandalous things and conspiracy to attack that. We don't want to use hateful words. We don't want to do any of that. 
We want to stay back in the center of God's will by loving people and doing what we're called to do. And for me as a pastor, what that means is to continue to encourage the people of God to keep being who they are, to be the ecclesia, to be the called out ones, to be the church, to continue being who God is called, because that is what God has blessed. And that's what God will continue to bless. His people focused on his will, doing his works. That is incredibly important. So when in the midst of all of this, we shouldn't give up. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be scattered. We shouldn't give up on the local church. We shouldn't give up on the kingdom of God. We should not give up on the ways of God. No, no, no. We should press in even more and find the will of God for our lives. And you know what I like to tell people? I say, you know, the one thing that really, really ticks off the enemy, the one thing that those who hate Christians and, and hate their, their, their morality and, and the Bible itself, I say, just succeed. Just continue to walk in the blessing of God. Because, my friend, what will happen is that there will, be a, there will be a clearly a difference between those who are walking in God's favor and those who don't. And boy, do we ever see that in society. Man's proudful declarations in doing what they want to do, they come to nothing. And in the end, they, they curse God. In the end, they call out and say, you know, how foolish I was to abandon the things that I know were right. But there is always hope, and we can always reach out to Christ. God, and I, and I often remind our congregation, reminding myself and anyone that I speak to, you know, now is the acceptable time of the, of the Lord. Now is the day of God's favor. As long as you're alive, breathing in and out right now and listening to this, this message, the door is wide open for you. God has provided an answer. God has said there is a, there is a place, there is a stream who does, that, that makes glad the city of God. There is a, a place for you to enjoy this favor, and it's found in the, the forgiveness of the Son of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. So we can escape this darkness, and we can actually walk through the water and not drown. We can, we can walk through the fire and not be burned. We can walk through this culture and continue to be walk in favor and blessing and to succeed and to mature and to grow and to prosper. And even our children do the same. I believe that with all of my heart. It is something I walk in in my own life and I encourage others to do the same. So Paul then goes in Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. Now let me move on here as we kind of come to a close. He says, "For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, you know, Paul really understands what grace is because he was a murderer. He was one who put in Christians in prison and God showed him incredible grace and gathered him up and said, now you will no longer be my enemy, but I will cause you to be on my side and using your incredible intelligence and experience and knowledge of the word of God for my purposes. And, and so he goes on and says, in light of this wonderful will of God coming in your life. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. He goes on to describe the, a different kind of gifts. He goes on to say that we're one body and that each one of us has a specific calling and gifting and we all need it. We need it from one another. One body all working together. So that, that makes complete sense that if salvation is not based on works so that no one can boast, 
then it would make sense that walking in the ways of Christ would be the same, that God has to continue to distribute these gifts and that as God is working through us so that no one would boast. But yet we have something wonderful, a deposit that is unique to every single one of us. He goes on to list these different kinds of gifts. He says, he said, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Or hearing the word, hearing God speak to you and be able to communicate that to others in, in a very specific way, in a way that's uplifting and encouraging. And he said, in, in accordance to your faith. He says, if it is serving, then serve. It is, if it's teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, then do it diligently. And he says, if it is to show mercy, then do that cheerfully. So he goes through and says, all these wonderful gifts are provided by God. And he says, that is going to be that part of the journey. That's the way the good works are going to flow. That is how you respond to this darkness in our culture, is finding out what God has put inside you and beginning to walk in it. My friends, we, there are so many things we could do. There are so many goods out there, but there is only one great. There's only one pathway that is the heart of God for you, and you need to find out what it is. And Paul says it's going to be based on your gifting. So it's not that God is going to force fit you like some cultures, you know, they pick, you know, children from babies and they're going to make them something the rest of their lives. And where when in God is God puts something inside us. And when we discover it, we can begin to walk with it by cooperating with God and watch ourselves be so joyful. You know, every one of us loves to succeed. We love to do something that they're, that we are good at. <laughs> you know, I love to paint. And I love to, uh, you know, paint animals and landscapes. I use watercolor to do that. And that's only something that I've only recently discovered. And then someone asked me recently, they said, you know, Pastor David, you really, really do that well. You, you, you can really paint. And of course, I'm just an amateur and I haven't, uh, and I haven't really produced a lot. But I'll tell you this, when I, as I began to do it, I looked at that person who said that to me and I said, you know what? I was born to have a brush in my hand. I came to that conclusion that it was, I was born to have that brush in my hand. I enjoyed it so thoroughly. I've enjoyed it so thoroughly. And, 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 and finding myself creating in that way is something I was born to do. And so if you think of that dynamic fitting into every area of our life and all through these gifts, think about it. When we, if there's something we were born to do, just think, if it's not in our hand right now, then wow, we're missing out on something that we really could be enjoying and actually creating, whether it be with our words or with our actions, you know, we could be doing something that God anoints and he's created us to do. So Paul is saying, look, that is how you combat this. You can see I've got two main messages here, but they're converging. One it is to find out what the will of God for your life is and walk in it. The other is our culture is hell-bent on doing something that is away from God. And our response, how do we mix and mingle the two? And that is, we just keep being who we are called to be. That's it, okay? Not to be distracted, not to be pulled away. That was Paul's response to the times of persecution of the early church. He said, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep being what God has called you to be. And not only just, and that may seem like, well, I'll be just stuck. No, no, no. It, it's ever increasing from glory to glory, faith to faith. Discovery to discovery. My friends, you, you know, they talk about the final frontier. Well, I tell you what, the real final frontier is not space. I think the final frontier is discovering who God has called us to be. And so it's endless. There, there are wonderful things. Now, God has 
presented and placed our boundaries in pleasant places. But my friend, if you have not discovered what your boundary is, then it's likely you're nowhere near it. And so it's time for you to get moving. It's time for you to discover who God has called you to be and start doing it. And you may ask, well, how do I start? Where do I get involved? My friend, you need to get involved in a local church. You need to find the body. Because if you're a hand and you're not attached to an arm, then you have no function. Okay, that's, is, that's what Paul is appealing to, is saying, look, you're called to be a part of a body, and every part does its work, and all together we do something amazing, and it goes all up to God. So you need to find that. Of course, I would love to invite you to come to Valley Community Church, where we'll help you find that. We absolutely are determined to find, help every single individual that comes to Valley Community Church to find what it is that God has called each of us to do. And where we, my job is to equip you to be able to do it. And once I've equipped you, then I'm, I encourage you and release you to do what God has called you to do. And whatever that is. And it, sometimes it's in the context of the daily, uh, you know, the, the operation of Sunday mornings in our small groups, or sometimes it's out in the community and doing things like getting involved in the pregnancy support center or, um, you know, recovery groups or places where you get involved in helping the poor and feeding the hungry. There are many different places where we can serve that are outside of the local church. But to stay connected to the church, you, you can do it together. And no one feels alone or cut off. So I tell you what, this is, this is an important message for you today. That if you want to be able to experience success and victory, then my friend, find out what it is that God has planned for you and start walking in it today. Lord, I ask you to bless everyone who's listening to this message today. That Lord, they would find the will of God, that good, pleasing, and perfect will for them. Lord, by reading the word and responding to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great day. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.